In this episode, we speak with Alexander Devigan, founder and CEO of Infinite. Infinite is the leading e-merchandising platform for online merchants to create, display, and manage product visual experiences to increase their online sales. The company has raised over $100 million from leading investors, including Insight Partners and U.S. Venture Partners. Infinite is all about helping the world usher in the post-shoot era in which product visual availability is no longer reliant on costly, logistical, and carbon-heavy photo shoots. Visual production is shifting to computer-generated 3D imagery, CGI, which facilitates higher performance and resource efficiencies and has less environmental impact. I am your host, RJ Lumba. We hope you enjoy the show. RJ Lumba is the managing partner of GrowthCap and the executive chairman of Market Insight Media. He is the host of Growth Investor, a podcast featuring today's best investors, executives, and founders. In the minutes ahead, we'll uncover insights and strategies for accelerating growth and succeeding in business. Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It's a delight to be with you. It's a pleasure. So. Super curious, how does one go from being a lawyer to then raising over $100 million for your company? Well, it's uh, a lot of iterations, I guess. So it's not a straight path, I think. It's not even about having an idea because it's more about wanting to change things. So I didn't think as a lawyer that I had enough impact for my customers or even for the community or for, for businesses. So my question was, how can I have more impact? And then I said, well, I think the most impactful I could do at my level was creating a business. And from that, it was like one first idea, which was for me was a real estate marketplace, failing an idea, understanding why. And for me, it was, you know, from my perspective, like that I didn't leverage at maximum the, the importance of the visual to acquire traffic. And then from that, again, driving another conclusion, which was, well, what if we could replace photos by synthetic images on the internet? Starting with real estate, then learning that real estate for us was not a market big enough for our vision, and then trying to leverage that learning in a bigger market, which for us was retail. And then from creating synthetic images in the retail, understanding how we could have more impact. And then therefore, well, what about automating image creation? first thing and then saying how can we empower more businesses and then COVID hit and then it said oh well how can we be a more sticky business by providing value even when markets are going crazy and therefore transforming into a SaaS model and then you know from that focusing on our core strength which was at the time home and living and then mass FMCG and then from that another learning and then, and then raising a big round so it's not a straight road. I think it's pretty rare that you find someone trained in law to then move into being an entrepreneur. I mean, we see it more so at the large corporate level where people have the legal background and then they move into a CEO role. But you must have had some confidence in your abilities to be an entrepreneur. Did you kind of show some early signs of it growing up? Yeah, my father was an entrepreneur. I think that I was always fascinated by that. And so first in business school, I also tried the venture that failed, but uh, I always had that in me. I think having a first boss that as a lawyer that beats you up in order to get more out of you, I think that drove confidence in my ability to try and learn and try and learn and being relentless. And at the end of the day, if you try enough, you succeed. And this, I think, was my biggest learning from having a, a first job. Well, you're in a super interesting space. You know, e-commerce, it's crazy how long this general space has continued to evolve and accelerate. You know, everyone can remember the early Amazon days, 
But you're kind of taking this whole industry a step further in enabling people to better display their products. So tell us about the Infinite solution and what you provide. So Infinite is a SaaS e-merchandising solution. So our mission is to provide online merchants the ability to create basically unlimited product visual experiences in order to drive a better consumer experience when you shop. And it has a big impact because, as we all know, the only touch point where between the shopper and the product when you shop online is the product visual. Therefore, there is a direct correlation between numbers of factors. I mean, the numbers of images, the level of immersion, the level of customization, the level of shoppability and of the update. So a lot of things are linked to the product visual experience that have an impact directly on sales KPIs, whether traffic because it's content engagement because you know it can be dynamic conversion rate because you know you feel more comfortable seeing the product in that or even average cart value because you see it in a context that relates to you and you enable cross sales or even something a little further which is reducing the rate of return because you're not deceived when you receive the product because you've seen enough of it online so our platform enables anyone to click in one click to create any kind of product visual experience from product and web background, 360s, silos, product and context to even videos or customizable images. And the idea is that there's no good visual that you need to, as an entrepreneur trying to find a good idea or anything else, you need to A-B test the visual and customize the visual per cohort in order to have performance. So this is what the superpower we're giving online merchants, the ability to create unlimited visuals to A-B test, to find the right visual for the right cohort, increase the likelihood of a purchase online. It's incredible the shift, and it continues to happen from retail, from traditional brick and mortar to online, and the need to have better customer engagement during that shopping process. How are you able to do this in such a seamless way for the user to be able to transfer a traditional one-dimensional photo into a 3D image that's interactive? Yeah, our superpower for us is 3D. And the way we're using 3D is not focused today on creating new virtual experiences like AR, VR, or metaverse or video gaming, although the asset can power these experiences. It's more to use these 3D assets to try to enable the merchants to create better images on their PDP, on their advertising and communication channels. So the way we do that is pretty straightforward. We did first, what we do is we digitize your product catalog from 2D to 3D. Then we fuel the platform with the, these assets that are the 3D models of the product, which then can create output of 3D models, which can be as simple as a JPEG, as complex as of a video, a dynamic imagery, or the virtual experiences of the metaverse and others. So this is how we do it. Now, I assume this is highly relevant for maybe big ticket items where you really want to investigate, say, furniture, or you know, you're going to deliberate on the purchase. It's not something that's easy to return. So which products are most relevant? Were you surprised by certain use cases? So again, it's an amazing question, but because yes, we were very surprised. And to your point, we started in furniture because we felt, and it's true that it's something where you need to reassure you have the size, you have, how does it look? How does it fit? How does it feel? It's a big purchase and it's hard to return. You know, it's a lot of logistics. 
And although this is still a sweet spot for us because of this, we were amazed that in reality, every single product on that you're shopping online can benefit from better online merchandising. And we've found that even of the simplest, like a Coke of soda that you can buy online, the ability to show the right visual at the right cohort at the right time has a massive impact on your online performance. So what I'm saying here is that there is also a learning from like 100 years of brick and mortar retail where brands and retailers have been fighting for shelf space, for merchandising, even the tide and everything that because they know that in the shopper journey, the way your product look, where it's showcased it has an impact on sales. Well, it's the same thing online. So yes, the most common and the first thing we do are product with either a high value or a high need of immersion but we now have driving in every single categories of online market now in order to raise a large series b round you must have some scale to the business you must have some excellent growth metrics can you give us a sense for it in whichever way you're most comfortable sharing about the growth and scale of the business yeah, I think that there's two ways of approaching it. The first way is, first, the size of the market, the opportunity that we're tackling. As you said, e-commerce is growing fast and, you know, it's it's projected to be 50% of global commerce in 2025, which is approximately 10 trillion. It has accelerated very massively with COVID and it will continue, although, you know, the, the growth might slow down, but it will continue to grow. And in that, if you say that the most important asset is the visual of the product, then you have a massive multi-billion dollar market. So the potential that we have in e-merchandising is huge. And it's huge on merchandising. It's huge on online advertising, remarketing. It's huge at every level of this shopper journey because it's directly linked to e-commerce. The second thing is... I think there are also market trends. The fact that, again, e-commerce, so first trend is e-commerce, then there's the virtualization of the commerce with you know, the metaverse, Google indexing 3D models on your web page. So making 3D table stake for commerce. So when you have the commerce, then what's that real stake is 3D. And then you have another trend, which is not really related, which is we have seen in the last past years, trend of how does software empower businesses on their own content. You had Canva, extraordinary company, and giving superpowers to layman people like me being able to own their presentation because before they had to have either an agency, a third party, or an expert. Then you had Figma, extraordinary company that gives superpowers to people like me to design amazing web interface and experiences. And us, what we say is, you know, in e-merchandising, which is the ability to create product visual experiences, nothing has changed for 70 years. You still are stuck with either your visual from your suppliers or you power a super studio. So there is like belief that this is a potential new big hype. And as for us, you know, our vision of the platform, the companies we sign with, our customers, which are among the largest retailers on the planet, and our ability to grow 10x in 2021 and a very large X in 2022 is the growth that we're seeing. It's interesting you draw on these examples of Canva and Figma and the individual creator. If we take, for example, Mr. Beast, who happens to be one of the more popular creators on YouTube these days with over 100 million subscribers, he's moved into the space of merchandising, both traditional and e-commerce. He is one extreme example. But is your vision that creators, individual creators, will be able to convert into these e-commerce businesses and can use your tools? 100%. 
I mean, you're very aligned in a vision that we really have is we want to give superpowers of creation for commerce, whether it's for the merchant directly, could be for the consumers or what we call category of the influencers. So yes, 100%. Now, what's been the most challenging aspect to scaling the business? I think the biggest challenge is how do you grow from basically like a small shop with few interns to a company that is serving the largest customers in the world. And we're now above 150 going to 200 while not losing focus. I think that's how you manage scale by keeping your focus. And I think that the superpower is focus and it's not money and money gives you exponential impact if you're able to focus it on your core business, not to try to do too many things and expand too quickly on different areas. The biggest challenge is how you can mitigate that because of course you're pushed everywhere to go you know, to new segments, to do new things for existing customers. And the bigger they are, the more they want. How do you keep at the helm and you keep your road, your focus and try to have a maximum impact in a straight line? before at some point trying to expand. This for me is still the biggest challenge. So you brought in one of the top software investors in the world, Insight Partners. How did that come about? So we were originally a French company. And then while I was raising a Series A in France, as I did, you know, for retail, growing from real estate, real estate is not a big enough market than retail, then, you know, software and customize. Then, you know, French is not big enough and our vision is in the U.S., because this is where, you know, things get adopted. This is where you have the best product marketing, product creation, and the best investors and the best customers. And so I got an intro to someone who basically introduced me to two people for my Series A. One was USVP, who did the Series A. And the second one was Insight, who did the Series B. And Insight basically had the Series A say, hey, Alex, what you're doing is amazing. We're strong believers, but it's just too young for us, too small yet. And they call back in the Series B and basically preempted the realm. So this is how it happened. And I'm very, very happy to have both of these amazing investors who bring value weekly. Yeah, that's our longstanding question on this podcast is about the value that your investors bring. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What has been, in, in your eyes, the biggest impact that these investors have provided to you? So I think there are different levels of impact. The first impact is, and directly related is like, you're graded by like one of the Ivy League university. And then therefore it's not so much customer facing, but it's more for higher the great people. I think this is an amazing help, which is indirect. But then the second thing is they're bringing help, operational help, whether for hiring for strategy or BD or a lot of stuff, because they're used to do that. But I think that the, for me, the biggest value I get from them is, is just having another eye. I'm a solo founder, having an aspiring partner, uh, being challenged by someone who is not an operator and it's not what we're asking from them, but is seeing so much of the market, so much of, of what's happening that has a macro view and also a micro because they go so well, so good in the details that I think is extremely helpful. And it doesn't mean we don't fight. I mean, we fight because we disagree. But at the end, the fight makes us on a daily basis a better company. I am 100% convinced of that. Was there any point in time where you considered having a co-founder? I would have dreamed of that. And I think my advice would be like, have a co-founder. <laughs> it's, the, it's the first double I, I mean, challenge that you have an I, you know, to have a different perspective. 
It's just that I think that I'm being maybe too impatient and that although I was looking for one, I, I started building the business and I built and I built and I built and that sometimes, you know, it's just it, the, the more you build, the harder it is to get a co-founder. And so, yeah, it happened that way. Excellent. Final two questions. One is, can you tell us about a book that has had a profound impact on you? And if that's too serious, you can just provide a book recommendation. One of the is uh, the hard things about the hard things that I read was I was starting my company and why it had a very big impact. It's because, you know, what you read in the media all the time is like, for me, maybe it's just a misinterpretation is like straight lines of success. People that had the idea executed perfectly, big fundraising, amazing customer, amazing product. And it's like, it's the straight line. And when you're not living that and you're just basically hitting your heads against problems, against the wall, failing in one line in the book, we'll remember that all my life was Ben Orit said, when I was an entrepreneur, I used to sleep like a baby. What it means is waking up every two hours and crying. And so this had, okay, well, this is not just me, but it's the reality of life. And so this had an amazing impact on me. Excellent. Okay. Last question is, can you tell us about a leader that you admire? And it doesn't have to be in business. It could be in any domain. Well, it will be in business for me. And I think a lot of people feel the same, but I really think that for me, Jeff Bezos, for a ton of reasons, the fact that he was a risk taker and maybe because you know he was a very successful banker, I was a lawyer, so maybe this is it, then he was relentless. Uh, then I think the spirit of the company, the customer obsession. And then if you think, at least for me, the numbers of things that this man has revolutionized from e-commerce to payment to AWS, and then now what he does is just like so humbling to see that you have extraordinary people in the world. And I'm pretty sure that they have, there are hundreds of others. But it, when you ask me that question, this is the one man I, I come up with. Well, Alex, I want to thank you again for taking the time. This has been a great conversation. And I know our audience will find this very insightful. Well, thank you so much, Arjit. It was great. Thank you so much for the time.